right, good morning, everybody. How's everybody feel? You look so good. Merry Christmas. It's uh, the Christmas season, and we're going to celebrate that season all month long. How many of you guys are all about it, like Christmas lights, decoration, Christmas music? Let me see your hands, hear a whoop or something, like you are into it. Okay, good, good, good. I will admit that naturally it's not my flow. Uh, I don't know why. It's not that I'm against Christmas. I'm not a Scrooge. I'm just not, I, I'm, I guess I'm not festive. I, I don't know. So I don't tend to like get all like geeked up, like, woo-woo, it's Christmas. I do not care for Christmas music. Uh, I just admit it. Uh, I don't necessarily care for it. But this year has been a little different. I've been, I've been getting all the feels, everybody. I don't know why. I don't know where it's coming from. But I'm feeling it a little bit. And so I'm excited. I'm excited about this season this year. I'm excited about this series that we are in. We are going to start a brand new series today. We're calling it Unto Us. And we're going to be looking at some words that were spoken of by a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus was born of a description of who Jesus would become and who he would be. And we're going to look at those descriptions and unpack them each week throughout this series. But before we do, there's a couple of things I want to say, just some things I want to reiterate. Pastor Aldrich did an amazing job in the news, but I just want to point to a couple of things. They're going to hit the screen behind me just so that you're clear and aware of what the month will look like at Church on the Rock. Uh, we will be having next Sunday is our impact offering. And just like Pastor Aldrich just said, we have been vetting and searching and partnered with organizations and people and missionaries all across uh, St. Augustine, all across our nation, and really across the world. And so we would just ask that, uh, would you just consider, prayerfully consider what God would have you give. I like how Pastor Aldrich said it, that uh, we would love to see 100% participation. Just let God lead you on what to give, and we're going to go make a huge difference in the lives of people all across the world. We're going to make a really, really powerful impact in their lives and in missions that we are partnered with. Next week's going to be fun. We've got some special things happening. Uh, that's all I want to say. You don't want to miss it, okay, but you want to be here next Sunday. It is going to be a good time, and then consider what and how uh, you might give. And then uh, next, I'll just look at the screen with you. Christmas Eve, uh, we will be doing it right here in this, in this building, in this room, and it will be a family service, which means all the family. Bring the kids. Bring the people that come into town to visit you. Like, just bring them all in. We're going to have a worship service in here together. We're going to give God glory. We're going to celebrate the birth of Christ Jesus. And I just want you to know, like, so I, I think sometimes people are like, well, like, are there kids rooms available or can I come if I have kids? Yes, yes, yes. Come with your kids. Nothing is going to be happening at our location next door. Uh, if you're a guest, we actually own the property next door. We've just expanded and that's all kids. Our kids campus is what we call it and that's happening right now. But on that day, everybody's coming here. We will all gather together. I can't wait to see you there. Sound good, everybody? Yeah. And then just the, uh, yeah, people are excited ab about it. But uh, then finally, just a quick reminder that on Christmas Day, we will not gather here in person. We will gather online. And so we're going to have a pre-recorded, post-produced service that we're going to put together. It's going to premiere early. If that, if that doesn't make sense to you, just understand this. You can just go to our website, and you'll be able to find it anytime on Christmas Day. And we just encourage you to just make it a part of your day that day. Have, have a little bit of worship that, that morning. And so we're aiming to put something together that's about a half hour about a half hour. And so I know with our family, we're going to make that part of our morning, part of our day, and we're going to make sure, everybody, that Jesus, come on, is emphasized and focused on it. So we're going to worship together in that way. We would encourage you to do the same thing, and you can do it anytime that it fits your schedule for that Christmas day. Sound good, everybody? All right, good, good, good. Uh, let's get into it. You guys ready to get into today's topic? If you're ready, say ready. Ready. 
Good, good, good. We are ready. I'm going to take you to Isaiah chapter 9. I want to read to you this prophecy that the prophet Isaiah would speak about this Messiah that was coming. And here's the words that he said. He said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And then he goes on in the next sentence to describe who Jesus would be. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so what we're going to do in this series this month is we're going to unpack each one of these descriptions of Jesus week by week. And today, we're going to focus on this idea of Jesus being a wonderful counselor. And I think that all of us have been counseled at some point in our lives, right? Maybe uh, you've been given, maybe if you're a student or you can remember when you were a student, you had a, you had a guidance counselor, right? Uh, if you're like me, you always thought the guidance counselor was for troublemakers, that's what I always thought. Am I the only one? Like, I always thought if I had to see my guidance counselors because they're trying to steer me out of trouble. Some of you guys know they actually help you with a college career path, and they, they guide you on which school to choose. I had no idea. I wasn't that kid, apparently. Um, but they're good. They're good like a guidance counselor, right? Maybe you've received counsel from a friend or from a parent. They've kind of, well, I don't know. I would handle it this way, or I would go about it, maybe something like that. Uh, oftentimes, some of us will actually see licensed counselors or therapists Maybe they're helping us with some, uh, maybe an issue that, that we have, and we just want to see if we can kind of unpack it and find freedom. Maybe they're helping us to uh, deal with something that we've experienced. Perhaps it was traumatic or something from our past, and maybe, uh, maybe they're, they're helping us to, to understand how to, how to process or, or just how to, how, to, how to make it and move in life, right? These are good things. Can we all agree that good counsel is good? Can we agree? But have you ever had bad counsel you ever had you ever had somebody give you bad advice you ever had somebody give you bad advice and you took it well i want i want to i want to i want to do that today can i just give you some bad advice everybody is that okay i, I just think of, let, let's make this fun okay i want to i want to have a good time with you this morning so i'm going to offer you i'm your pastor okay and i'm supposed to guide you and i just i want to spend a couple of minutes just giving you bad advice this sound good you guys want to receive some bad advice so here's what we're going to do i'm going to offer you bad advice and then i'm going to make a motion with my hands like this i'm just going to i'm going to do just like this and when i do this you're going to say bad advice does that, does that make so let's practice let's practice let's just pretend that i've given you bad advice and then i'm going to go Oh, man, you guys are really good. I mean, that was pretty stellar, actually. One more time, just to make sure we fully understand. I've given bad advice, and then... You guys, man, you guys are a good class. You're a good class. All right, let's make this a little more fun. We got a little music, a little game show music. You might even recognize it. Uh, we're just going to play a little game where Pastor gives you bad advice. You, you got my, it's coming. It's coming. Here we go. All right. All right. Anybody recognize this music? <laughs> a little bit of bad advice uh, that I would love to offer you this morning. If you're doing something you'll regret in the morning, just sleep until the afternoon. How many of you guys know? Bad advice. It's bad advice. I just have a few, you know, not a lot. Um, if you get stuck on a math problem, multiply by zero so it becomes nothing because math isn't real. I would suggest that that's... You guys are good. You're doing really, really good. Awesome. Uh, all right, let's see. Um, when driving, don't use blinkers because it's no one's business where you're going. All right? I would say that's 
That's bad advice, yeah. All right, listen, if, you're, if you ever get dizzy from spinning around, just spin the other way because it cancels it out. Yeah. It's bad advice. All right, here's one that I love because uh, I actually believe it. If, uh, if you're pulled over for speeding, remind the officer that the speed limit is a suggestion, not a rule. Yeah, still, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good. All right, last one, last one. I did save my favorite for last, and I think most of us will totally agree. This is bad advice, but look, if you get into an argument with your wife, just tell her to calm down. Hey, and here's the thing. For a lot of the men in the room, we know that's, that's, real, that's real bad advice. All right, hey, give, give yourselves a hand. Thank you guys for playing my game. <laughs> bad advice uh, happens, doesn't it? It just comes to us, and sometimes we, we get counsel that maybe isn't good for us, or we look back and go, why did I ever listen to that person or think that way or do that thing? I remember uh, years ago I was a little kid, and, uh, and by the way, when I was a little kid, I was... Not the, like, I wasn't the kid you wanted to spend the night at your house with your kid. Um, I was not the kid, if you were the teacher, that when you saw my name on your roster, you were like, yay, they would seriously have to just, they'd have to take a vacation just to prepare. If I was in your kid's church room, perhaps, and I'm getting a big nod from my pastor, who was my kid's church pastor when I was a kid, uh, I was not, I just, I had issues. I had, I had issues. And, uh, and just with, with my life and whatever, there was this particular kid at my church, and, and by this point, I'm maybe uh, early middle school. I'm going to say I was, I was somewhere around fifth or sixth grade, maybe, something like that. And, uh, and I'll never forget that there was this one particular kid who would kind of bully me, right? Like he just, he just would, would bully me a little bit and, and, and whatever. And, uh, and I remember talking to my dad. Now I'm about to sell my dad out here for a second, everybody, because I remember talking to my dad. And, uh, and we, we were having this conversation. I was talking about what was going on at youth. And my dad gave me advice. He said, look, here's, here's the deal. Most people that act like that, they're actually afraid. They're, they are, they're bullies because they're actual cowards. And if you just stand up to this kid, he'll probably back down and everything's going to be just fine. And I just took that like it was the Bible. Like, okay, I'm, I am going to do this, man. My dad told me I need to stand up to this kid. And so we're uh, playing some basketball uh, at, at youth group one night, and uh, this kid does what this kid starts to do. And I decide it's time to stand up to him, and I just shove him, boom, right now. I mean, like two hands right in the chest. You could see it in his face. He was like, uh, did this punk just push me? And before he could uh, verify uh, that answer in his mind, I shoved him a second time. And I, this time he was rocked on his heels. He was staggering backward a little bit. And I went in for number three. I was like, hey, look, three strikes, you're out. I'm going to finish this bullying thing. And when I came in for number three, he punched me right in my mouth. And I'm just going to tell you guys that as much as I would love to convince you that I'm like a real tough guy, you know what I mean, and I can throw hands, come on, bring it on, um, I never prepared for that. I never one time thought maybe he will fight me back. I just figured he's a coward. He'll back down and this problem will go away forever. He punched me in my mouth and I just stopped. Like I got, I got no plan. I was not prepared for this. I'm not really sure what to do. And I just want you to know that I continued to get bullied by the kid because then he knew I got you. Uh, Dad, I love you, but, but I wish you'd have said, be prepared to throw your hands. I don't know. I should have been ready to fight. And I'm not condoning fighting because I know what some people are thinking. But in that moment, I probably should have been a little more prepared 
for my bully to actually be a bully. Bad advice can be a, a real thing. And I've experienced it, and there have been times that I've listened to it. There's been times, everybody, that I've given it. And I don't mean in a funny way like moments ago, but like in real life, you, you, you're trying. My dad, well, he was trying to help me, right? He just, he just wanted to see me not get pushed around or whatever. Uh, and so there are times that that bad advice comes, and it's pretty painful when we recognize, like, oh, man, this was a bad idea, or I shouldn't have made that decision, or uh, you, ever, you ever have that moment where you're like, well, it's too late now, and <laughs> now I've got to just kind of deal with the consequences of Bad advice is a real thing, but the Bible described Jesus to be a wonderful counselor. Like, in a, like, I'll unpack it a little bit, that he wants to lead us well. Good advice, good counsel, deep understanding. Like, the, the, the person of Jesus that's described, this child that was going to be born, was described to be a wonderful counselor. That he would guide you well. That he would always steer you into the right direction. And as I'm even describing this, I hope that in your mind right now, you're able to think of people like that in your life. They're just people that you've experienced. It's like, man, they, they always had my best interest at heart. They always did their best to lead me in the way that was best for me or my family or my situation. They were always interested in me. And this is what I love about Jesus is that he is a wonderful counselor. And Jesus will never give us counsel that is serving, self-serving or that's not good for us. Jesus is always going to give us counsel that's good for us, that's good for those around us, that's good for our situations, it's good for our challenges. He's a wonderful counselor. There's examples all throughout scripture of Jesus being this wonderful counselor uh, in the in the New Testament of your Bible, which is which would be like the back half if you're unfamiliar with the Bible. The, the New Testament's in the back. And there's these four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they tell the story of Jesus. It's the same story that's given from four different perspectives. And all throughout these Gospels, you can see Jesus being who Jesus is, this wonderful counselor. In fact, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Like in Luke chapter 2, there's this example of Jesus at 12 years old sitting uh, and talking to religious leaders. And the Bible says that they were just amazed at his wisdom and his understanding and the knowledge that he had and the things that he would say. And even at 12 years old, it was almost as if they could see this wonderful counselor maybe in development. Like, gosh, I never met a 12-year-old that would think like this or, or talk like this or, or be able to have a conversation like this. It was almost like the wonderful counselor was being recognized really early in, in his life. This one always uh, cracks me up in John chapter 21. There's this story in the Bible, and it talks about how these uh, fishermen that would eventually become Jesus' disciples, they're out in their boat, and they're, and they're fishing. And they've been fishing all night long, all night. And they, listen, they're professional fishermen. They know what they're doing. And the story goes that they caught nothing. And here comes Jesus the early the next morning. He's just walking down the shoreline, and he looks out into the sea, and he sees these fishermen, his friends, and, uh, and he, hey, have, have, like, have you done any good? You caught any fish? And they're basically like, man, it's been a rough night. We're packing it up. We're, we're taking it to the house. It hasn't been very good. And then Jesus calls out and he says, hey, um, why don't you just let your nets down on the other side of the boat? And I always found this comical because Jesus is not a fisherman. Have you ever been a professional and you've had someone who's not even close to a professional try to tell you, Maybe how you should do something or 
handle something. Come on, nurses. You ever, you ever had the patient that you're like, are you serious right now? Do you know what, like, all the education that I have to serve you in this? Are you about to tell me? Come on, where y'all at, right? You ever? I, <laughs> I got a big hand wave in the back. Like, it happens sometimes, like, the, the professionals, and, and, like, we do it as sports fans, right? Every weekend, every weekend. We're like, oh, my gosh, why would you call that play? I can't believe, like, we, like, somehow... We would do a better job if given the headset on the sidelines. I don't know, but I think we've all seen it and we've all experienced it. And this story cracks me up like that because I feel like there's probably something on the inside of these fishermen that are like, really, Jesus? For real? I mean, look, you're cool. We love you, but bro, we fish. You don't fish. And Jesus is like, yeah, just put your, put your net down on the other side which is funny by itself because it's not like it matters what side of the boat the net goes on. But apparently in this case it did. And the Bible says that his wisdom and his counsel was good because they could hardly haul in the fish that filled the nets. In fact, the nets were beginning to tear, the Bible says. He's a wonderful counselor. There's a story of a little girl who everybody was panicking about. This is found in Matthew chapter 9. The people are just panicking about this little girl because she's dying. And oh my, oh my gosh, Jesus, you have to come help. And then it gets to this point where it's like, she's dead. And then Jesus nonchalantly is like, yeah, she's not dead. She's sleeping. Everything's okay. She's just asleep. To which I would imagine, what are people feeling in that moment? And thinking, actually, like real people, real situation. No worries, she's not, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Now, to unpack the miracle here, she had actually died. And Jesus just raised her from the dead from a distance. But then the little girl just wakes up as if she was sleeping and goes about life. Hey, relax. It's okay. She's just asleep. He's a good counselor. Last one. In John chapter 9, there's a blind man that's hoping to be healed by Jesus. And then Jesus puts mud on his face, which is like, and I don't mean figuratively. He actually put mud on his face. And the way that he made the mud was he spit into the dirt. And then he smears it on the guy's face. Can you imagine if you came down for prayer at Church on the Rock and one of our, one of our prayer partners just spit in their hands and then wiped it on your face? I want you to know with confidence that we would have conversations with that prayer leader. That would not be okay with us because Jesus is Jesus and we are not. Come on, somebody. But Jesus does this, and then he's like, now, now go over there and wash your face. And it was really good counsel because all of a sudden he could see. And so Jesus lived out the expression of this reality that I'm a wonderful counselor. And I think that sometimes just in real life, like, that happens, and I'm talking about when you're not in church on Sunday morning, I mean life like on Tuesdays, I mean life like, like when your dog pukes on the rug, life like when you're dealing with that overbearing manager again, life like when you don't have enough to pay what's due, life like when the relationship is in total friction or even falling apart. I mean, real life, like when there's a health problem you're trying to navigate to and decisions have to be made. Life, like when someone that you love and care for is maybe no longer with you, or maybe now there's, there's separation, or this time of year is heavier and harder because it might be the first time without them. I'm talking about that life. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to actually connect the reality that the person of Jesus Christ is a wonderful counselor to us in those times. Like in our real everyday lives, that we 
get to live, and then sometimes have to live, Jesus is, in fact, a wonderful counselor who wants to be there for you and wants to guide you. He wants to help you to navigate those difficulties and those challenges because he wants to see you experience what's best for you, and he wants the people around you to experience what's best for them because of you. And so I want to talk today about three ways I think we can receive wonderful counsel. I'm going to warn you that I'm not going to blow your mind. I'm probably going to share things that you already know. But these are things that are important. How many of you guys know that sometimes the basics matter? Any, any athletes or former athletes in the room? Any, anybody? Let me hear you if you come on, hear something. Whoop, whoop. All right, I got three and a half, but a lot of hands. Thank you. Um, you guys would know whatever your sport, you, you would know that like the fundamentals really are always important. So, uh, so if you were a, a tennis player, I don't know anything about tennis. I don't know why I'm picking this one. But you, you might know that perhaps it's the way that you grip the racket that, that, that would really be important to the way the ball is delivered. Or maybe if you're a basketball player, you know that the, your footwork is so important. And if you don't get your feet right, the shot might not, the follow through might not be there. The shot might not go down. We all understand that basics matter. And sometimes when things get off, and, and, I'm, and I'm talking only maybe in the context of athletes at the moment, but like when things get off with an athlete, we know that, hey, I need to get back to the fundamentals and then the performance improves. So I just want to, this morning, take us to some fundamental truths about following Christ Jesus. And I know that most of us in this room probably do, and perhaps there are some of us in this room that don't, but it's okay, because I think this will be able to communicate and translate to all of us here. But there's three ways, because I would be asking the question if it was me, all right, if Jesus is a wonderful counselor, how do I receive his counsel? Because I want that. I need that. I don't like bad advice. I need good advice. And so I'm going to give you three points today, and the first one is this, that uh, that one of the ways that Jesus is a wonderful counselor is through his word. And, and I want to clarify, in case that is like a church language that might not connect to you, I'm talking about the Bible. So, so when, when people within the church context like this say the word of God, his word, here's what we're referencing is the Bible. And what I want to talk about for a moment the, with the Bible is this, that like this is a big intimidating book in a lot of ways. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, some, some of us are like, I don't, I don't really know where to start, or I don't really know all the stories, or I, like, I, just, I, don't, I don't really know how to, how to maybe translate it or apply it or, or make it like, actually good for four Tuesdays. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I understand it on a Sunday, Pastor Josh, when you talk about it, but I want to be able to understand it like on Tuesday. And what I want to communicate to you is that the Word of God is absolutely essential to the life of the believer. I would like to, to just declare that myself personally and our church believes that this is the perfect and infallible word of God from one side to the other. Furthermore, I think that it is the responsibility of the follower of Jesus to mold, change, adjust our lives to fit God's word rather than mold, change, adjust God's word to fit our lives. 
And it's very important as a follower of Jesus that I understand that I need to receive his words into my life. And, and, I, and I'm going to go, for those of you, again, that some of us, we grew up in church, and some of us know Bible stories and Bible characters, and we understand some context. And when you say that one verse, it makes me think of that other verse. There are people like that, but then there are other people that's like, this is brand new. I didn't do the church thing. I, I, I'm just now starting a relationship with Jesus. I want to read the Bible, but I'm not sure that I fully understand how to read the Bible. And here's what I want to say to you, and I want to say this like very respectfully, is that I would say put the work in. And here's what I mean by that. It, it, I, don't, I don't know how many times I can tell you that I have done something I was not capable of doing because I studied it, like I looked into it, like I Googled it, I YouTubed it. How many YouTube mechanics are also in this auditorium? I, I can fix all kinds of stuff because I like turning wrenches. It's like therapy for me. And anytime something goes wrong on our vehicles, the first thing I do is go to YouTube, all right? I find it and I watch it and I determine is that my job or is that the mechanic's job because somewhere there's a gap. But what I do when I don't know is I, do, is I put the work in and do the research. And what I would encourage you to do is put the work in, do the research. In, in other words, if it's a big, intimidating book, start to do some searches. D Google some things like, where should a young Christian start reading the Bible? I would suggest the book of John, by the way, if that's helpful to you. I would just encourage you, get into the New Testament and start reading about Jesus and the story of Jesus. Go to Romans and listen to, to what it actually looks like to transition from darkness into light and to, to leave a life of oppression and slavery to sin and walk in a life of freedom because of the blood of Jesus. Like, those are great places to start, just by the way. But I would encourage you, like, put that work in and figure it out and start asking questions and, and, and de determine how you can get his word to be understood more and more and more in increasing ways in your life. Because this is a living document, everybody. It is unbelievable how for thousands of years now, countless people have opened the pages with these words, talked about these things, preached on these things, studied these things, and we're still doing it. All across the world, every opportunity we get, and somehow there's more, and it's deeper, and there's something new. How many times have you guys read a scripture, and read a scripture, and read a scripture, and then somehow, somehow, on the, the countless time, you can't even remember how many times you've read it, it's like something brand new just shows up. Or in a something in a story, it's like, I've never seen that before. That is powerful, and it just does something inside your spirit. Like, the word of God is so important to the life of the believer. And if you want wonderful counsel, I'm encouraging you, get it from scripture. Get it from his word. I once heard somebody say this. I, I wish I could remember who to give the credit to, but I loved it. They said, if you ever wanna hear the audible voice of the Lord, read the Bible out loud. And I thought, wow, that's powerful and true. These are, in fact, God's words. It's, it's, the, it's the lamp to our feet. It's the light to our path. It's, it's the direction of our lives. It's the answer to every single one of our problems can be found here in Scripture. We need his word. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, the, the Bible says this. I've given you this verse for the context. It says, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. 
They cause grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Verse 11, it's the same with my word. I send it out, and watch, it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. It'll prosper. Can I paraphrase that in my own language? It's wonderful counsel. It's good for you. It's direction for our lives. We have to have the bread of life, the word of God in our lives as followers of Jesus. Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, which by the way, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of scripture and it's all about God's word. Just read it. I mean, take a couple of days and just read it and listen to the, to the truths and the proclamations that is, that is stated about God's word, about this Bible. And the Bible says that your word is a lamp to guide my feet. It's a light for my path. It's good counsel. It tells me where to go. It tells me what steps to take. It helps me in my times of need. Again, I, I know that I'm not like rattling you with some fresh revelation. We're just going back to the basics this morning. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And for me to receive good counsel from Jesus, I can get it from his word. Listen to me, Church on the Rock. Open your Bible. Hide his word in your heart. Get scripture deep down on the inside of you so that you'll know what to do when difficulty comes your way. The second way that we can receive uh, wonderful counsel from Jesus is through his church. So not, not just his word, but his church. And I'm telling you right now, I think we have one of the greatest churches in the world. I really do. And here's why I believe that. Yeah, amen. <laughs> I'm glad that you agree. I don't believe that because I think we have like world-class structures or systems or buildings or et cetera, et cetera. I believe that because I know you. Like I've met you. And we have conversations and I've been in life groups with many of you and served with many of you and been in conversations with you in the lobby and prayed with you about things. I've, I've been to the hospital with many of you. Like I've, I've been involved and engaged in the lives of you, the church. Because I want to remind you that the church is not a location. It's a people. You're the church. So I always try to correct people. Sometimes I don't always get to because I don't want to be rude. But I do try to correct people because people will refer to Church on the Rock as my church. And I'll say, it's not my church. It's your church. It's our church. The church is us. It's not mine. I, can't, I don't have possession of this. Uh, th this is not mine. This is ours. We are the church. I, would, I can't have church without you. Listen, I've preached to myself. I really have. A lot of times. A lot of times I've preached to myself. My parents could probably tell you memories. of They would hear me preaching through the air ducts sometimes uh, into my bedroom. Diehard Miami Dolphins fan, by the way. And I preached to Dan Marino posters a lot growing up. A lot growing up. And, uh, and, 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 I, and I, like I've preached to myself, but it's better when you're here. I've been in, I've been in prayer meetings alone. I like it better when you're there. I've actually gone to a life group. It happened one time this semester. I went to my life group. I was the only one that showed up. It was always better when the other guys came. Like, we're the church. And I think that if we stood up around this room and we just began to tell stories about what that person, oh, man, just, just the other week we were this and, and this, and you start talking about the people around you, the people that are a part of this church, and you start sharing what it meant to you when they reached out, what it meant to you when they delivered the food, what it, whatever it is, the, when they prayed, 
when they gave that word of encouragement, when they told their testimony and it gave you faith and you like, yes, God, like if, if, if we just went around the room, it, it would take forever, but it would be crazy fun because what you would do is you would start to communicate about what the church does. And I think that what we would begin to hear is people talking about how we've heard good counsel from Jesus because of Jesus's people. Because, well, it was that person. It was that moment. I mean, I can, I can tell you story after story after story. And I can be very specific to people in this room right now of the influence that they've had or the counsel that was like, that was the word of God for me. And he used your voice for me to hear it. Have you ever had that experience before? In fact, I, as, a, as the pastor, I actually prefer to lead our church that way. And so I don't, I don't unilaterally make all the decisions. I, I can think of less than five times in almost 12 years that I've been leading this church that I've ever made a decision without receiving counsel from anyone else. And the only reason that I would make those decisions that way is because I was convinced I had heard from the Lord and your voice at that point doesn't matter, respectfully. But in 12 years, less than five. I actually prefer to hear from the people that are around me so what are the other pastors in our church hearing God say? What do they think about this potential idea or decision? What is the board of directors? What, are, what, is, what is their perspective on this? What do you think? And what do you, how does this sound to you? And, and hey, um, staff, when, when I talk about this, what, what are, what's your thought? Because I want the counsel of everybody in, in the room. I want other perspectives, and I want other thoughts. And I want to make sure that, like, well, you see what I can't see. And I want to make sure that I hear from you. Because I think that oftentimes I hear from God from you. The church. Like, let's listen, because I actually think that in most of those cases that if I don't listen to the voice of my team, I do not listen to the voice of the Lord. And that'll preach, because there are some of you that you won't listen to the voice of anybody. And I would love to say as your pastor, because I love you, I think you're muting the voice of the Lord. God put those people there. Let them speak. Open up your ears and your heart and your mind to consider their perspective, their thoughts, their counsel, their coaching. Because oftentimes, that's God saying, I love you. And I'm just trying to give you some wonderful counsel. Listen to the people I've put around you. Listen to those people in your life group. Listen to those leaders in your life. Listen to your friends. Listen to your husband. Listen to your wife. Listen. Listen to your children. You know how many lessons I've learned from my kids? I, who, who am I, the audacity of me to think that because I'm older and I'm more experienced and I know all, I can't tell you how many times my kids have said things where I'm like, yeah, I needed that. But don't you talk back. I'm just kidding. All right. I just, a couple of scriptures. I, I want to reinforce what I'm saying with the Bible. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, let us think of ways. Watch what it says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good, good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Come on, sometimes people get away from the habit of gathering together and being in community. It just happens. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen, everybody. Like, man, the Bible says, get together, you need it. That's my paraphrase of those two verses. Colossians chapter 3, 16. We're going to move on. I'm going to land this plane. It says this. 
let the message about Christ in all its richness fill our lives. Watch what the Bible says. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Teach and counsel one another. We need each other, everybody. We need each other. It is essential. And if we want the wonderful counselor to counsel our lives, we need his word. We need his church. And then finally, and I'm going to do this one pretty quickly, we need his spirit. Like his spirit. Like the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, is a little bit hard to comprehend and understand. We're like, wait, I thought that Jesus was the counselor, but then the Bible, let's just look at a couple scriptures really quickly, really quickly. John chapter 10, verse 27, the Bible says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they, and they follow me. This, that was Jesus speaking. And then watch, watch what he says, though, in chapter 16. When the spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future, the spirit of God. And here's what Jesus was communicating at that moment. He was saying, I'm here with you, and I give you good counsel. I talk to you, and I guide you, and I teach you. But when I leave and I go back into heaven, you're going to get a deposit, a gift. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm going I'm to give you the opportunity to have my spirit. This is what Jesus is saying, my spirit inside of you always always and and i have to have his spirit alive and well on the inside of me to give me good counsel and so i want to can i can i do something really can i have just a few minutes honestly is that okay with you just if you i want to show you something because i know that this the, the the idea of the trinity the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's like a big thing, and it's really hard to understand in our minds. Would anybody in here be willing to admit that you struggle to understand the idea of the Trinity? Good, good, good. Thank you for your honesty and vulnerability. Okay, I'm going to try to, I'm going to give you the best description of it that I've ever heard and hope that it helps you so that you understand the relationship of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so to do that, he has no idea I'm about to do this. And I don't know how this is about to go, so here we go. I want to invite my dad, who's right here. I want to invite you up to the platform. Give it up for my dad, everybody. You can come all the way. There's stairs over there, and you can come around. And just be careful with those wires behind that speaker when you come. This is my dad. He's going to help me preach. And he, he didn't even know it. But he's so good at it, he didn't have to prepare <laughs> I heard that too. All right, so the, uh, one more time. This is my dad, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. This isn't the guy that said stand up to him, but I can tell you that he's also given me a lot of good advice, all right? And so it, since I called him out earlier, we're going to use him to teach us this morning, okay? Now, yeah, this, if you'll stand right there for me. Now, again, this is my dad. Oh, and by the way, who is today celebrating his wedding anniversary with my mom of 46 years. Congratulations to you guys. It's incredible. If you need marital advice, they'd probably be good people because they've been through some stuff, right? So just throwing that out there. Okay, so this is my dad, and he's going to teach us 
how the Trinity operates because my dad has a dad. My dad has a son, and I have a son. All right? Does that make sense? Should I get other people? Do you think if I got those representations, it would make it better? All right, uh, Janelle and Lauren, if you'll come, you're going to represent our sons and fathers. Come on, come on. We'll just do it, make it a family thing. This is my oldest daughter, Janelle, and my amazing wife, Lauren, coming. Uh, yeah, give it up for them. All right. So, uh, Lauren, you're going to stand right right here. Come back, Janelle, come back, come back with me. You're going to stand right here, and you're going to represent my papa, and you're a much better representation of him um, right now. And Janelle, come over here. You're going to represent Carter, or you. Let's be you. You just represent yourself. So we have some family up here. Again, my dad, uh, myself, my daughter, my wife. Now, imagine that this is my dad's dad. I am my dad's son, she is my dad's granddaughter, which means that he is grandfather, father, and son. He is the same person, but he plays three critical roles. So the way that my dad would communicate and operate with his father would be different than the way that he might communicate and operate with me, and I guarantee you, it's different than the way he communicates with them, all right? It's good on this side. It's real good over here. And what I'm describing is that one person has three very important roles that look a little different, but he's still the same. Is that making sense? So our heavenly father is both a father, he represents himself as Jesus the son, and as the Spirit of God in a same, but there's a distinction between the way that he operates. Is that making sense to everybody? And if so, if you've been confused by the Trinity, two things. One, I hope this was helpful. Two, you, we'll probably never fully get it. I really think it's too big for our minds, and I, I think that's okay. But if it's helpful to you, I want you to understand that like Jesus, the wonderful counselor, has deposited in the life of every follower of him his very spirit that speaks to us what he hears from the Father. And so this is how he wants to lead us and guide us as our wonderful counselor. Would you guys give it up for my family? Thank you guys. You guys are wonderful. And so as we close, I wanna remind and encourage you, the church, that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. And he wants to give us wonderful counsel through the Bible, his word into our lives. He wants to give wonderful counsel to us through the church and the relationships around our lives. And he wants to give wonderful counsel to us by his spirit that dwells inside our lives. He is speaking all the time. And in this season, and in every season, I want to remind you that Jesus is exactly what the prophet Isaiah said, a wonderful counselor. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to end this service the way that I always do, and that is with a point of decision. Because I believe that there are people in this room, and maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but there's distance in that relationship. 
Maybe it's just right now you feel kind of far from God or maybe it's been that way for quite some time. This is just an opportunity for you to, to just make a decision in your heart that God, I wanna reconnect to you. I wanna, I wanna get close to you once again. But there may also be people in this room and even tuning in online that you, maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I would love to give you the opportunity to make that decision right now. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And my prayer is that this morning, the Father is drawing you back to him. He's drawing you back. Or maybe drawing you to him for the very first time. And what I want to do is I just want to lead you in a very simple prayer. And many of you know it because we say it nearly every Sunday here. But it's a very simple prayer. And I want to invite everybody in this room to say it after me. Because some of you, when you pray this, some of you are going to be praying this as a support to the family around you. But some of you are going to be praying this as a decision being made by you. And I just want you to make that decision and be able to make it with confidence and boldness. And I want you to be able to communicate to the Father right now. And here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. All of it. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Can we congratulate those that made that decision this morning?